0: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles' First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello everybody, Tom and Keith with you. This is Front Row Knowles First Look, final edition for 2019. FSU falls to Florida 40-17 to on Saturday night. The Knowles finished the year 6-6. And in many respects, Keith, I really thought like the game in Gainesville on Saturday night was a microcosm of the season. All the things that plagued Florida State over the course of the year showed up in that 60 minutes. Whether it was penalties or lack of discipline or lack of execution... Unfortunately, whether it was a key defensive player getting an air cast and carted off has happened, whether it was falling behind the chains and the sticks offensively and not being able to convert, not being able to get Florida off the field on third down, it was kind of all there for the taking, and, and that's just the reality. That's what Florida State is. It's a 6-6 six and six average football team, and if you're going to make those kind of mistakes, you're just not good enough to overcome them.
1: A 6-6 six and six average team with glimpses of doing things better. You know, Florida takes the opening kickoff. They go down and score. FSU first pay of their drive, a play we've never seen before, and they pick up good yardage. They uh, execute better in that first drive. They go all the way down and score at seven to seven. You're going, wait a minute, we may have a ball game here, but then. The penalties, the, the penalties at inopportune times, uh, you mentioned the injuries, uh, some, some boneheaded plays uh, in terms of the penalties, which are some of the similar things, same things even, that we've seen all year long. You would hope by the 12th game of the year you would have uh, rooted out either those mistakes or you would have rooted out the people that were making those mistakes, but that never got corrected, and certainly it came back to haunt Florida State in terms of the outcome of this ball game.
0: I'm not going to sit here and suggest that Florida State should have won that football game. The better football team won. But when you look at tape and you you go back and analyze, let's just look at the second series of the game for each team. It was a 7-7 game. Florida now has the ball. FSU has a chance to get them off the field on third down. They can't. Florida converts. Then there's a 15-yard penalty, I think, on Hamza for a hit out of bounds or personal foul. So you give them 15 yards of real estate. Then you get them to fourth and one, and you stop the play, but Robert Cooper's offsides, and Florida goes on to score. They miss the extra point. They're up 13-7. Then the very next play after the kickoff, so Florida State's second offensive possession, you take a home run shot for James Blackman to Tamari and Terry, who has beaten his defensive back by a yard or two, and the ball appears to be overthrown. But, Keith, you and I are in agreement when you go back and look at it Blackman got flushed out of the pocket and when that happened Terry slowed down on his route and then Blackman found a throwing lane was able to step into it and Terry just couldn't accelerate enough to get there so it really wasn't an overthrow if you run the route that's a 75 yard touchdown and if you make the extra point you're winning 14 13 and what does that do to the rest of the game if you make those plays.
1: Obviously, it could change the complexion completely, particularly given the fact that Florida State only had the ball for one drive in the first quarter. As mentioned, Florida took that opening drive, went down and scored. FSU countered that with a score. And then Florida kept the ball the rest of the first half. Uh, When I was looking at the first half stats, Florida State had run 10 plays. I think Florida had run 22. Time of possession was... Uh, like 11 minutes to the Gators and four minutes to Florida State. So you're down 13-7. You've got the ball. If you convert that play, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, that was not an overthrow by Blackman. That was an undisciplined route by Terry. Then you're actually up by one point with, what, 13 minutes left in the second quarter. How does that change the game? We'll never know, but certainly that would have been significant, very significant.
0: Instead, it's second and 10. You lose three yards. Now it's third and 13 or third and behind the sticks, and you end up punting. Florida comes back now, and, and Florida has better field position because you didn't advance the change. You didn't even get a first down on that drive. And then you lose Hams and Dean, who really, you know, one thing that's overlooked, and everybody has injuries, Florida State has had an awful lot of injuries. I mean, they've lost their best defensive tackle in Marvin Wilson, their best defensive end in Kando, arguably their best Uh, linebacker, and Lars would be. Cyrus Fagan missed four or five games. Fortunately, he was back, but now Hamza's out right after he hit the 100 tackle mark. That is what it is. Just referring to Hamza, though, that's pretty deflating or demoralizing for a football team when they already know they've lost key guys, and lo and behold, there goes the best guy defensively out on the field for you
1: particularly when you're facing a passer in trash that he's not gonna go over the top a lot and beat you, but he is very, very accurate with his intermediate and his short passes. And then you multiply that that threat with the fact that they've got wideouts, does Florida, that have great skill and great speed and two tight ends that are huge bodies. They're five they're six foot four, six foot five. And, and they can make plays after the catch, and all Trask has to do is get the ball to him. I don't think Florida State touched the quarterback all game long. I know they didn't have a sack. And Trask was able to convert at a very high rate those small, shorter and intermediate routes, and then those, those receivers and, and or the tight end, uh, would, would make a big play with yards after the catch. And, and that's the recipe that, that Florida's played, and that's why they're number eight in the country, and they're sitting there at, at 10 and two. They they have found a way to take those talents, a very accurate quarterback, a very skilled receivers group, and put together schematically the things that make them go. They did not run the ball well at all. Florida State shut their rundown, as most everyone else has, but they were able to get chunk plays, not by going over the top, by completing those intermediate and shorter routes, and, and yards after the catch resulted in those chunk plays.
0: It all added up. You know, we detailed the first couple drives. We don't go through every drive. But bottom line, Florida's up 30-7 to at the half. That's not a recipe to come back on the road against the number eight team in the country. Second half, Florida State executed better. It was a 10-10 draw, if you will, in the second half. But you don't get any points for that. Um, that said, let's listen to the comments of uh, Odell Higgins. First loss that Coach Higgins has suffered uh, in either of his stints as interim coach. And uh, here's his comments as he met the media following the defeat.
2: Well, first of all, uh, Dan Muller and University of Florida, they did a good job. They beat us tonight. I got to give credit to them. We didn't go out and uh, perform the way we wanted to perform, doing the little things right. But, you know, articulated to uh, my team the lessons we learned tonight is bigger than football by creating great habits throughout your life. You create great habits off the field and as a football player the great habits will happen on the field. And that that falls on me in the last month. I gotta keep pushing them, keep loving them, and letting them know I'm gonna be there with them to help them as a man, and then as a coach. These kids, they fought hard. You look at, look at it, they was first in goal, two-yard line. They fought their butts off. They fought their butts off. But I got to keep putting them in great situations, showing them, and make sure they're creating great habits at all times because the habits you create will surface when adversity hit. It's the first time I used adversity since I've been been an interim head coach. But I love these kids. We're gonna put it behind us, correct our mistakes, and move forward as a Florida State Seminole. Pride is all about our pride. Another note, you look at Hamster. Before he got hurt, the kid, he got over 100 tycos this season. That's awesome. Tamron Terry, 1,000 yards. Some of the individuals, accolades for the guys. You know, I'm going to say this. I wouldn't trade these kids for nothing. We've had injuries all year, but these kids fought. Through adversity all year, we're gonna keep loving them and keep pushing them, letting them know the Florida State pride. That's what it's all about.
0: Questions?
1: Go ahead.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you the most important thing now, not trying to be funny, is make sure we finish strong at academics. Then once we get to the bowl game, and we'll talk about that. One thing at a time, create great habits. And, and, I, and I was saying that to them. Hey, let's finish strong. Show the coaches, show myself and show the rest of the coaches. From this, this day on, we're going we to keep creating great habits. Right now, I can't even talk about the head coaching job. The thing I talk about, the hurt for these young men. You know, coming down the universe for the arch rival. And like I say, we didn't play as well as we wanted to play. That would take care of itself. Yes, Kintler was calling this game. You know, outside here, jump here, and some things happen. You know, we missed a couple passes, if you look at that. But, hey, that's part of it. That's part of the game. But, you know, some things we're going to work on, things we're going to correct as a team. You guys came out early, had kind of a couple, the hook and ladder,
1: kind of trick play, and then going toward up, fourth and
2: down, fourth and one where you – Trying to send a message to the team that you guys want to be aggressive. Yes. The thing about it, I, I told Kim Do and I told Coach Barnett and uh, Coach Snyder. I said we're not going to sit back and wait for nobody. We're going to attack people. We're going to attack it all in all phases. So I said, hey, Kim, to call your game, attack. If you see it there, call it. Because these kids, you know, we don't we don't want them on their heels. We want them attacking people. Well, I tell you this right here. We're gonna get to that in practice. Next time we practice, we're gonna, we're gonna run for it. The gassers that I implemented, we're gonna run for it. Each pillar, we're gonna run for it. The individual. It goes back to creating great habits when things get tough. Either you're gonna, either you're gonna move forward or you're gonna move back with the habits. And we're 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 gonna address that.
0: Obviously Hamsa went out and then Corey went out and then Ryan Roberts went out on the offensive line. Did you sense that the morale of the team was dipping at any point when all those injuries started piling
2: up? No. If you look at it, we kept fighting. We kept fighting. The kids kept fighting. Yes, when you have three players like that get hurt, it may hurt it may hurt you some in the play. But at Florida State, it's the next man up. We just got to keep fighting and keep creating great habits at all times.
0: Are, why do you think uh, the past defense never really has come around this season? I mean, they just had a lot of injuries on defense. Uh, is
2: there anything else on there? Okay. Some things we, 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 we got to work on as a, as a defense and keep working. You know, like you lose a guy like Marvin, Top five in the nation, pressure—that that hurts. But the next man up, we got to get better at that before this bowl. Coach, are you saying
1: a team that you've been a part of, I, just kind of you. Okay.
2: I can't remember, but it's no excuses. We just got to go out and recruit, 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 recruit. That's what we must do.
0: Coach, do you feel like the? Despite some of the things that have gone wrong this season, do you still feel like the program's maybe very close to getting
2: back to where it was in the prime days? Yes, we we made some progress. Think about this. Look what these kids has gone through this year. They could have laid down the Boston College game. But you know what? Resilient. They came back, they fought. You know, some positive behind behind the last month or so. It's a lot of positive things. And you know, I'm not going to stand up here and just talk about all the negative things. I love these kids. They could have laid down on us as a, as a staff. They fought back the seminal way. They fought back, and they're going to keep fighting.
1: Were you, uh, with the
0: guys who were drafted, Oprah, will you talk to them at some point in the next few weeks, or do you wait to find out?
2: Well, when I get back, we'll discuss that as a staff, and also I I would discuss that with the administration. Right now, this, this game is fresh on my mind.
0: Odell Higgins, I think, was disappointed, Keith. Obviously, he's disappointed in the setback, and he, of all people, doesn't want to lose to Florida. But I think if you asked him, he would express that they spent so much time on fundamentals since he's taken over, particularly with the bye week, I know he was frustrated because when I talked to him going into the locker room at halftime, he just mentioned we have to be disciplined. And I, you know, you you, you can't fix everything in two weeks, but I think he felt like they would play a little bit more disciplined football in the first half, and they just did.
1: A lot of the discipline issues, Tommy, and you and I have talked about this all season long, are above the shoulders. Uh, we didn't see as many pre-snap penalties in this ball game as maybe we did in games prior. Uh, but the two things that Odell stressed during the the week, the bye week, and the game week, <coughs> pardon me, was effort and execution. Well, effort is a hundred percent controllable by the individual. I can control my effort. Doesn't matter where I'm playing. Doesn't matter what position I am. Doesn't matter if I'm a sophomore or a senior. It doesn't matter if I'm starting or second team. I can control my effort. Execution is all about above the shoulders as well it starts in practice with being fundamentally sound you heard coach odell talk about that all the time and i agree with you i think that was his biggest disappointment because i felt like he believed that the team had really put in the the uh the concentration during the the off week and the game week to to make sure they gave effort and they executed well, and when game time rolled around, there were times that they did execute well, but they just didn't do it enough to stay in the ballgame and certainly not enough to win the ballgame. As a result, Florida State finishes 6-6. Six and
0: six. They are headed to a bowl. We don't know where. We don't know against whom. We'll find that out in the next eight days or so, but we'll step aside for now, come back, and continue to uh, dissect not just the Florida game but really sort of the state of FSU football. This is Front Row Knowles' first look.
2: Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool & Fastener.
0: Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hey everybody, Tom and Keith back with you on Front Row Knowles First Look. Normally Keith would uh, get the microphone right now, but because he's driving on the uh, lovely trek back from Gainesville, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take care of the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool & Fastener. Remind you that uh, they're your location for all your tool needs. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. until noon. That is Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff. Tell him we sent you his way, and we do appreciate their longtime support of both Front Row Knowles and Front Row Knowles First Look. All right, Keith, uh, something tells me, sneaking suspicion here, that you're going to want to start with defense because I know that uh, having watched this team play football for 12 games and in particular the secondary you, as a as a former member of a Florida State uh, secondary you've been frustrated with the uh, the inability to 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 get to the ball to knock down the balls and I'll let you take it from there
1: well in the first game uh, I went off on the secondary because I couldn't get lined up and they busted some coverage that has improved there was no busted coverage at least I could tell uh, to the naked eye in the Florida game But I'm still unbelievably frustrated with the inability of our defensive backs to make a play on the ball. They would get themselves in position and then not react to the ball in the air. And whether it's how they're taught, whether it's how they're brought up, whether they're how they're coached, what they're meant to believe in. And I know uh, many, many of our listeners are going to, you know, literally turn off and tune out when I start going back in the day. But. I played the position, and I know it was 40 years ago, but the football is still the football, and it's thrown, and people catch it. And the way you keep them from catching it hasn't changed. You knock the ball down or you knock the ball out of their hands when it gets to them, and our defensive packs can't do either. And, and then after the play, particularly when there's an overthrow, they make like they just made the greatest play in the world and, and – and, do the you know the demonstrations and the dances and all the taunting and and the silly silly penalties that came about uh, I, I just I don't get it I don't understand how a group of athletes can't dedicate themselves to learning a craft and making themselves into good defensive backs but apparently this group doesn't either want to do that or the coaching staff is not able to do that with them And I don't have an answer for it, and I am beyond frustration with it. Understand, and
0: that's been uh, sticking with you all year, and I get why. And I'm not going to defend Florida State's defensive backs because the the product should be better, especially given the number of stars that were associated with them when they arrived at FSU. As you know, the pass rush goes hand-in-hand with the pass coverage. And Florida State didn't touch Florida's quarterback on Saturday night, and so that would be another part of the issue because balls are going to be a little less accurate and more up for grabs if you can affect the quarterback, and that's something Florida State hasn't been able to do since early in the season. Now they've lost Marvin Wilson. They lost Josh Kando. They lost a lot of key parts, but uh, there was there was concern that there was not going to be a great pass rush this year coming into the season, and, and that came to fruition.
1: And And I would agree with that, and that's part of the reason why – you know, I'm not saying that you know, we, we fire them all and we start all over again. I'm just acknowledging that that is part of the issue that would have been of help. But as a defensive back, Tommy, I can't control the pass rush. I can only control my reaction to the ball and my ability to get my hand on the ball and either intercept it or knock it down, or my ability to get on a receiver and, and, and separate him from the ball. That has nothing to do with the pass rush. And I just haven't seen any improvement, certainly not any market improvement, over the 12-game season with this group. And and repeating myself, it remains a sense of frustration, big frustration. Yeah, no, I I get it. I get it. It
0: didn't help matters that the guy who just got his 100th tackle earlier in the game was lost for the game in Hamza Nazirul. And I really think, well, as you know, I mean, he's had a 22-tackle game, a 17-tackle game, but i think with what florida does offensively which is the intermediate passing game and how he comes downhill and can deliver some blows and and the way florida uses its tight end that was i it it's sort of like losing marvin wilson before the bc game I, hams is probably at the top of the list of the guys you didn't want to lose before the florida game or during the florida game
1: and i'm also told that he's as good as anybody about making sure that everybody else is in the right position and knows what the call is uh, so you lose that experience and that voice and, and that you know, that coach on the field, so to speak. Uh, so it's been frustrating. I know they've had some injuries. I know they've uh, had some kids miss some time like Cyrus Fagan. Uh, but you know, this is a group that should be better than they played against Florida. There were a couple of picks that, that should have been. There are a couple of times they could have separated the ball from a receiver or times when they should have gotten their hands on a ball and gotten the ball down, and that just didn't happen. Now, again, first game of the year, you give, a, you give folks a lot of uh, leeway, but this is the 12th game of the season, and this is your arch rival. You shouldn't be letting things like that happen in a game of this nature, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and it was – you know, the team adjusted slowly to the change into what Coach Tagger referred to as multiple fronts. He would never come out and call it a three man front, but the reality is, as we watched it, it went from a four man front to a three man front, and then they started playing more four man front with Odell, but you lost personnel in the middle of the year. It just, you know, whatever it is, whatever your philosophy is, offense, defense, there's got to be something you do well that you can hang your hat on. And I don't know what you'd point to. For the defense they did a pretty decent job stopping the run but beyond that it's just uh, the defense needs to be better than what it's been
1: without question and again given the the caliber of players at least how they were viewed coming in and that goes back to the age-old conversations that you and i've had you know do you go out and recruit a bunch of five stars and four stars and bring them in do you, do you settle For some three stars that aren't going to help you much in the first year, maybe you redshirt them and they got to develop, and, and how do you mix a group between the two? I will tell you this. It is a fair judgment and a fair criticism on the defensive side of the ball that there are very few players other than a Marvin Wilson who are better leaving Florida State than when they came to Florida State. And that goes back to developing athletes into football players and that needs to be doubled downed and refocused at Florida State whoever the new head coach is particularly on the defensive side of the ball
0: and that was going to be my very next question purely on the defensive side of the ball to me Marvin Wilson who's coming back from injury he's a guy that likely will turn pro and I think that's the right decision for him I don't know that he's going to do that he hasn't announced that yet I would expect that's coming but there are other guys who have a decision to make, and to me, the decision needs to be come back. And I'm talking about Stanford Samuels potentially. I guess Corey Durden, there's been talk about him, and maybe he would go out. Those may be the main two defensively. But I, would you agree? I mean, if you're a, a Kane has got to get healthy, but, but those guys need to come back. I, I don't think that there's anybody out there, who, uh, you know, unless, uh, and we don't know their personal situations, but generally speaking, they'd be better served coming back.
1: That's the case most of the time. I think in the situation we're changing uh, sides of the ball, but I, I would strongly recommend to Cam Akers that that he get his evaluation and lean towards more more towards him leaving early simply because of the, the nature of how running backs are treated in the NFL now. And, you know, limited tread wear is the, the, the language that you use. You can't have too much tread on the tires um, when you get to that next level. Uh, But certainly for on the defensive side, the the folks that you would name and you would look at, I personally think would be much, much better coming back, getting 15 days of uh, practice during the the bowl season and another 15 days during spring ball. And and start working on those fundamentals that, that Odell stresses so much because when you get to the next level, the NFL has no patience with you. You can be right there, particularly as a defensive back. You can be right there. But if you don't get the ball down, you don't get the ball separated, you ain't playing on Sunday, period, the end. Another guy's is Janaris
0: Robinson, I guess, would have a decision to make potentially too uh, at the end spot. And I, w- I would say he too would potentially be better served coming back. It's all speculation on our part. I don't really know what they're going to do. But but I would agree. You mentioned Cam. To me, Cam and Marvin are the two guys that should go ahead and uh, turn pro and, and everybody else. You know, they'll, they'll need to make their own decisions. And Tamarian Terry, by the way, has indicated that he's going to get his, his feedback from the NFL. But, but they should all do that. I would You know, you want to know, what, well, here's your strengths, here's your weaknesses, here's where you're projected. It's a reality check when you, you ask for that and they say, well, you're not projected to go until the sixth round at best.
1: Tamarian's an interesting guy, Tom. Uh, we know about his physical talent and his speed. Uh, we know that, that when he makes his mind up, He can catch the ball, and when he makes his mind up, he can block. Uh, As much as any one of the kids out there, his excelling or being excellent is above the shoulders. Uh, I'm not sure where he's projected to be, uh, but I'm not sure how much more he can learn that he doesn't already have the skill set to do his is an interesting situation I'm glad I'm not charged with advising him and certainly I'm not charged with making the decision for him because unlike uh, Marvin and unlike Cam which I think it's a slam dunk that they should leave uh, I'm just not sure about Tamarian but I would understand if he did given the nature of, of, of his talents and those types of things Well,
0: my sense would be that he's not going to be projected as a high pick. There's a strong receiver class, I believe, and he's still rough around the edges. He would land on an NFL roster, certainly on a practice squad, and if he wants to develop that way while collecting a paycheck instead of coming back to FSU, that would be his decision, and I feel pretty confident that he would be on a roster next year if that's what he does. Now, if he thinks he's going to be a first-round high money guy that's not who he is right now and 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 if that 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 would be foolish that's what he thinks but like i said he said after the game to the media that he's going to get his uh, you know his feedback from the nfl and they have time i don't know the deadline offhand it's usually january 10th plus or minus that they'd have to declare by so he's got time to make that evaluation
1: very much so and and i hope he will take advantage of the resources and i know florida state's got some folks that uh, can help uh, in that assistance as well I do hope and, and and really, really hope that he doesn't believe he's a first-round draft pick and, and just s- says to everyone else, the heck with what you say, I know better. That's not going to happen. There's plenty of time to speculate on that. Uh, we'll get back uh, or continue this conversation
0: about Terry and the Florida State offense when we continue on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keep. Welcome back. Tom and KJ with you. Front Row Knowles First Look Final Edition for 2019. The Knowles fall to Florida 40-17 and finish the season 6-6. We went sort of drive by drive at the start of the game and you know it's been this way for a couple years and, and frankly it's this way when you're a good but not a great football team you can look back at any number of plays and say if you just do A, B, or C, you've got a lot better chance to win. And in other words, you're not good enough to overcome some of the mistakes, and we pointed that out. Recently. I, I want to go to the-, the bigger question, though. We both thought that we'd see a lot more of Jordan Travis in this game, and we saw him on the first drive, but we didn't see him after that, save for when he got walloped on that one play and, and uh, got shook a little bit. How surprised uh, were you that we didn't see Travis used in the same way that Florida used its second team quarterback or its Wildcat quarterback?
1: The obvious answer is very. I I thought that that would be an approach and and part of the game plan that would be to your advantage. Uh, I think there were situations when uh, what Jordan Travis can do that we've seen within this Bryles offense would have lent itself better. One of the key areas was after Florida attempted that fake punt and Florida State had the ball on the Florida, what, 20-yard line, first and 10. To me, that was the perfect time to put Jordan in and run some RPOs and run some quarterback reads on that short field and, and, and get it in the end zone. Instead, FSU ended up running three running plays. I think they all three went to end up going to Cam Akers and, and basically got no yardage. And, in fact, you commented because you were down there, and I even saw it on one of the, the, the shots from the television feed, that, that Coach Bryles was visibly upset during that three and out uh, and, 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 and appeared to have frustration directed directly at James Blackman. Only the two of them could tell you what the actual issue was. But it appeared to me that that James should have pulled that ball at least once or twice and thrown it or kept it. Instead, he just handed it off, and it ended up being three very vanilla running plays that the Florida defense just ate up. Well, you put Travis in there, and and at a minimum, he's going to pull it at least once because that's what he does and probably would have pulled it another time if he was supposed to try to throw the ball because he understands how to run that offense. So, yes, very disappointed that we didn't see him. I do know and I understand in the first half, I think Florida State only had four possessions. Uh, That's just the way it worked out. So I I get that maybe, you know, you didn't get him in there on the second, third, and fourth possession because of the way the, the first half was going. But I did expect to see him some more in the second half and was disappointed that we didn't.
0: Yeah, based on the fact that they put him in for situational use at the goal line in the first half, it appeared that they had a short yardage plan for him. But after you didn't get in short yardage situations in the first half, I thought they might just give him a drive or two uh, or at least some more plays to give him a look. It, it didn't go that way, and and obviously the game didn't go Florida State's way. Well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Oh, and by the way, one point of clarification, that drive after the fake punt, The first play wasn't a run. It was actually that little screen pass they attempted that was nearly intercepted. Then the next two were were runs to Cam. Um, Speaking of Cam, though, he gets the 50-yarder. He goes over 100 yards against Florida. He's over 1,100 for the season. With the bowl game, he's going to finish with 1,200 yards this year. Uh, I don't have his career stats in front of me, but he had over 1,000 as a freshman and roughly 700 last year. So he's close to 3,000 yards. Uh, at a time when Florida State has frankly not been very good overall uh, during his tenure. So the point being, he's not going to be remembered as an all-time great, but he's a pretty doggone good football player.
1: The kids that played with him and the coaches that have been around him and my prediction, the folks at the next level, the NFL, that are fortunate enough to get him on their team are going to say great things about him because of the way he's been and are going to be absolutely thrilled to have him with him going forward. He is the epitome of a selfless star player at a skilled position that never complained, uh, never barked at the media, never threw his, uh, you know, his teammates under the bus, uh, just came out every day and worked and, and, and did his thing and worked himself into a leadership position, even though he's very quiet by nature. And again, anybody that's been around him, Uh, From a fellow player to a coach, uh, I think we'll sing his praises. And and he's just one of the good guys in college football right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I talked to him on the radio, the uh, radio network after the game, and uh, flagged him down. And uh, he was, you know, asked, do you have time for radio? He says, of course I have time to go over and talk to radio. I mean, just first class, uh, win or lose. Uh, you know, I used to say it about Dalvin Cook, too. Obviously, he's broken out uh, with the Vikings, and Minnesota's been very pleased with how it's worked out with him. Uh, Dalvin would always come talk to the media, win or lose, whether he had a good game or not a good game. And, uh, you know, we don't really get a chance. To, we interact with the team and some of the players, but we don't really know them. Um. So I, you know, I, I can I can draw I can make assumptions that Cam's a pretty good guy because that's how he's always represented himself. But I can judge him by the fact that win or lose, good game or bad, he's he's willing to come talk to the media. And there's a lot to be said for
1: that. Well, and I can judge him by the fact that what others that have been around him have said, and still say about him. That's one of the things that was most unique. Uh, Thirty seconds down memory lane, you know, when when you say Deion Sanders to anybody. That that was not associated with Florida State. They'll say, "Oh, he was he was boisterous and he was a braggart and 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 you know he was this and he was that and he he was the other." But anybody that played with him at Florida State, football or baseball, anybody that was with him at the NFL level uh, or the MLB level, will tell you he was the hardest working person, first on the field, last off the field, an unbelievable teammate. And that, that switch that he turned on with that bravado was just that. It was for show. But he did the little things that made him a great, and I do mean a great player. And you'll not find a single former player that has anything bad to say about Dion. And, and, and it was because of his work ethic. I think the same is true, very true, of Cam Akers.
0: We talked about Terrier earlier in the show. We've talked about Cam Akers. we talked about Jordan Travis. This is stating the obvious but it got magnified again jordan travis has a helmet mark on his rib cage as as exhibit a florida state needs to find some offensive tackles the offensive line is is not great overall but you can survive with the center and the two guards but the tackle position and and we knew it was not going to be a strong suit it it proved to be every bit as uh, much of a liability as we thought it might be this year and whether it's through recruiting and you've got Darius Washington, so maybe he's one of your guys next year, but they got to look at that transfer portal and find somebody else.
1: They not only have to look at the transfer portal to find others, they need to invite some of the kids they've got on the team right now to visit the transfer portal. They need to invite some teams to move on some kids to move on. Uh, they won't work here. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't work somewhere else, but they won't work here. And that's a harsh statement, and, and, I, and I know some of our listeners maybe even believe I'm, I'm not making it or I or, or wouldn't make it, but that's how bad it is. There's there's some kids in there, Tommy, that, that you don't need to waste any more time on. You need to invite them to go somewhere else and redouble and triple your efforts to find some other people to come in. You've had them this year. You've had them for 12 games. They You know what they can do, and they're not going to get marginally better. We need to move on.
0: Well, there'll be a new coach and a new coaching staff coming in. Uh, we would presume, we don't know, there's definitely a new coach coming in. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and presume, and we can talk about this more in our last segment, that you know, Kendall Bryles and, and Randy Clements won't won't be back. We don't know that. So uh, why don't we just – I'll tell you what, I'll kick it to the next segment. We'll come back and talk more about that as we wrap things up. Is there anything else on the offensive side of the ball that we missed? Uh,
1: just the the disappointment personally and that I know – because of other tape I've seen from from Coach Browse's uh, time uh, at at prior places, there were some creative things that I wish we would have been able to see him do at Florida State, uh, like that first play of the game, uh, that this offense can do. And for whatever reason, and and only he can tell you, for whatever reason, we just didn't see the full breadth of it and the full depth of it. And uh, I think that's a little bit uh, disheartening. I'm not sure I totally agree with you from what I think I heard you say. I I would be very pleased if the new coach came in and made the decision to keep Kendall and to keep Clements. I just don't know if that's feasible in that normally when a new coach comes in, he comes in with his own offensive philosophy uh, and or defensive philosophy, depending on what side of the ball he was on. And, uh, you know, just from a, a probability perspective, I, I think it's legitimate to question whether, you know, those those current coaches will continue. I hope they would, and I hope they will. I like what I've seen, and I would like for them to be around another year and two and see how they mature in, in our system, in, in the Florida State way, rather. Uh, but I don't know that we're going to be given that opportunity.
0: So let me clarify those comments on the other side of this break, and we'll continue this conversation about uh, – the future of FSU football, if you will, as we roll on with Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool & Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Keith, just to finish the coaching conversation, and then we'll get to our a uh, big moment from the game there. Um, don't misconstrue. I like Kendall Bryles. I know he's going to be a head coach someday. I think he and Randy Clements work very well together, and there's a lot to be said for having that. Uh, just look back a year ago to where it didn't work at FSU. Uh, so if the new coach comes in and he has a relationship with Kendall or he believes in that offense or he says, you know what, let's do it, then I'm 100% on board with that. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to move them along. Uh, especially when you consider that if it is a new offensive coordinator and Kendall's not here, you're talking about a fourth different offensive coordinator in four years, and that's not going to be a good situation for anybody. What I don't want, though, and what I don't think is a good scenario, is if you dictate or mandate to whatever coach you're hiring that you have to keep Coach A, B, C, D, E, F, and G – and I'm not saying Florida State would would, would hand-select the assistants. But, but you get into a potential situation where philosophically you're not necessarily as aligned or you just don't know each other, and it may not work that way. But if the head coach comes in and says, hey, I know Kendall and his history, I believe in his offense, then let's do this, then by all means keep Kendall and keep Randy Clements. And, uh, you know, you keep some continuity offensively. You save some money on the buyouts if you're FSU. That's a win-win for everybody if it if that unfolds that way.
1: And I would and I would echo that and we're on the and we're on the same page just saying it a little bit of a different type of way. Uh time now for our prime Meridian bank performance of the game and I didn't ask you Tom cuz you don't get a vote uh, but I'm going to go with Cam Akers for two reasons. Number one, 102 yards uh in the game against Florida his best performance against the Gators and just a uh, hats off to his season, his years and his uh career. At Florida State he's been a first class performer on and off the field uh, we believe we don't know but we believe this was his last regular season game uh, that he will declare early go to the pros and we wish him the best of luck if he does that boy wouldn't it be great if he came back just afraid that's not going to happen so we talk about Cam Akers and his great performance well speaking of performance how about Prime Meridian Bank primary bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker magazine want the bank where they greet you by name Smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door. Well, that's what I call a great performance. Try My Bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC, offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com.
0: All right, so we got into a coaching conversation there. Again, for those of you who don't know, we taped the show in the wee hours uh, after each Florida State football. Well, it's not always the wee hours, but if it's a night game, it ends up being the wee hours. And so, as we're talking right now, it's 1.43 in the morning on Sunday, and we're driving back from Gainesville. So, I have not paid attention. I'm pretty sure there's not been any coaching news. When you listen to this at 9 in the morning on Sunday, there probably won't be any coaching news. By Monday night, when this show normally airs at 6 o'clock, there may be some news, in which case this version of the show won't air and, and, and we'll have something else announced. But what what do you think? I, I, I know that they are uh, – they, meaning David Coburn – president thrasher whoever else is part of the team that's going to make this decision they've been on the road uh to, to meet with prospective coaches uh, as soon as their games finished on on saturday and then uh, all day sunday and so it could be pretty early this week that we hear something if they find you know if they find a party and they say hey let's break bread let's do this
1: i would agree with you and and i think when the announcement's made there's going to be two aspects to it. Number one, there's going to be an announcement about who the new head coach is. And number two, and maybe the second part of it, is going to be the the thing that we end up spending the most time talking early about. I believe that this isn't going to just be the name of a new head coach. I think that the conversations that A.D. Coburn and, and President Thrasher have had with whoever that individual is – have gone all the way down to talking about how their staff is going to be put together uh, about who the next athletic director might be at Florida State, or at least what the process will be to hire the new athletic director because unlike some other people i if i I would not want to take the Florida State head coaching job, I would not want to be named as the head coach uh, on Tuesday. And then my athletic director be named six months later and the potential it might be somebody I don't know or have anything to do with. I think those two things go hand in hand. And I'm not here to tell you that at the same time they announce Florida State's new head coach, they're going to announce a new athletic director. But I will bet you $100 to a donut that that conversation has taken place in terms of who they might be looking at or how they're going to go about from a process standpoint or what input if any, the new head coach on the football side would have in the athletic director because I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to take Florida State's head football job without knowing what the athletic director's office is going to look like when that changes.
0: I think that's a fair point. People want to know who their boss is. I think to some degree maybe too much is being made, not so much of that, but of the relationship with boosters in the athletics department, uh, that that relationship, and it changed recently. Uh, which is going to be a better system, but that that's been in place for years, and Florida State has succeeded at a pretty high level athletically. And then Jimbo complained about it, and it's gotten a lot of traction there. So those questions are being asked, but I think if I'm a prospective head coach of Florida State, you know what you have at FSU? You've got tradition, you've got a culture that cares about being successful in football, and you've got a lot of damn good football players in the state of Florida. And so you're going to put that in the pros column and those other things you're mentioning. Maybe they go in the cons column, and then you come back and say it's Florida State, and you say, you know what, I'm going for it. If you want to
1: boil down brass tacks, then you didn't want to have anything to do with Florida State when T.K. Weatherwall was the president and Dave Hart was athletic director because they didn't get along. So if there is an issue with Andy Miller and the boosters versus A.D. fill in the name and Florida State and Westcott – that goes away when Andy Miller goes away and AD filling a name goes away and now that Westcott has has worked with changing into the AAU that's a that's a cheap excuse and and I'm sorry Jimbo in particular you made it into something that it didn't need to be thrashers taking care of whatever fundamental issues they were I'm it's above my pay grade I'll let you figure out what that was I'm not worried about that, and that should have been anything everybody else should be worried about. You're the head football coach. Go coach. The rest of it is somebody else's job. And and I, that's, a, that's a moot point to me. And so anybody that's bringing up the fact that how that change is either going to be good or bad or the fact that it had to change or we wouldn't be able to get X or O, uh, I don't buy into any of that because the next football coach that we hire wants to know who the AD is going to be because that's his boss. But other than that, he better spend his time – paying attention to what's going on on the football field or or he won't be here very long.
0: It's a results-oriented business. We certainly uh, know that. Um, So anyway, news will be coming on that front and we'll just see where it falls. The other news that's going to develop in the next uh, week or so is we'll find out what bowl Florida State's going to. And so on Saturday, Boston College and North Carolina both became bowl eligible, which means the ACC got 10 bowl eligible teams, which means they're going to fill all their slots. And it also means that They'll need one more bowl, I believe, uh, which, i.e., opens up the Gasparilla as a possibility because that's one of the alternate bowls that doesn't really have an agreement with the ACC unless the ACC has more than its allotment. Now, that could change if Notre Dame was to get into the New Year's Six, and we'll see. Notre Dame's likely to finish about 13th or 14th in the final rankings, and 12 teams go, so it becomes a question of, do we like the draw of Notre Dame? And the short answer here is, if Notre Dame moves up, in essence, that frees up a bowl spot for an ACC team. What I think is going to get really interesting for Florida State is you have a lot of average ACC football teams. You've got Miami six and six. You've got Boston College six and six. You've got North Carolina six and six. You've got FSU six and six. And then you've got Louisville didn't finish strong. They're at seven and five. Pitt didn't finish strong. They're at seven and five. Any of those teams could get elevated into Tier 1, which is the Belk Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, Sun Bowl, or Music City or Jacksonville, or they could end up dropping down to Tier 2 of the ACC, which is Shreveport, Detroit, and Annapolis. And so I'm going a long way to say that I think you can make a case still with FSU's tradition, despite the 6-6 six and six season, they may get elevated into the Tier 1, which in theory is a better bowl.
1: And I would agree with all that, and thank you for remembering that and doing the research on it, because I get lost when I start going down the the, the hieroglyphics of how the ACC bowl tiers are set up. I think the bottom line is that the new head coach gets named, that you have 15 days in order to prepare for the bowl, regardless of where it's at. And that gives the head coach an opportunity to evaluate talent. Obviously, the first signing period, the early signing period, will have taken place, and, and that will be the immediate thing that your new head coach has to focus in on. But then he can evaluate what's here, and they can work towards whatever might be left over, both in terms of talent and as they work towards that February 2nd signing day. Uh, the 15 days of practice cannot be over overstated unbelievably important for this group from a from a execution and a fundamental standpoint. And uh, it'll just be an exciting time for Florida State. I can't wait for the announcement. I've made the comment, I don't know that you necessarily agree with me, but I've made the comment that whoever's announced as the next head coach, if the majority of the fan base isn't thrilled to death, that might be the best selection. Because you've got all these little pockets, people that want this, and people that want that, and people that want the other. And if it ends up being somebody that a small minority of the fan base is unbelievably excited about, and everybody else goes, well, that's okay, is that a better selection than with everybody going, no, wait a minute, who? What? And that way everybody's buying into it when time comes for him to go out on the field and make things happen. Maybe I'm just crazy. Well, we'll wrap
0: up on this keith i think whatever is announced whoever is announced some people will be happy some people will be uh we'll wait and see and some people will be what in the world is fsu thinking the reality is it'll be a year from now before we can sit back and evaluate and say you know what we just went nine and three maybe this is going to work out or you know what five and seven are we going to be doing this again next year and that's just where we're we hope we're not there but that's the reality of of
1: of how this goes you made the comment earlier it's a results oriented profession. There was a time when you would hire a new coach and you would give them four or five years to get their people in, get their players in, get their system in, get acclimated. Unfortunately, because of the money and because of the um, just the way it is, that leash is much, much shorter and that pressure is much, much greater. And you're right. We'll be looking at what the the, the wins and losses are. And uh, unfortunately, Though that's not all that matters, when it comes down to it, it's probably the biggest thing that matters, and that's how you measure people.
0: We're out of time. We do this each and every Wednesday at 6 for our regular show year-round. We'll talk to you then, if not sooner. Obviously, if a head coach is named, then uh, we'll get at it and uh, share our thoughts at that point. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for joining us on Front Row Knowles First Look.